This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. This is not a regular player, this is not a pretty good quarterback. This is an all time great. Is he? A strange bird off the field? He's a little nuts, I think. Okay? That's his deal. Is he really weird? Yeah. You don't have to hang out with him. You just have to put on your Jet jersey, go to the stadium, and watch him do his thing, which is move the Jets down the field and into the end zone, which is something you have not had in years. Subscribe to the Mike Francesa podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another Mike Missanelli Podcast. This is episode number 33 of the Mike Missanelli Podcast. It's going gangbusters. Thanks to you people. Brought to us by the great folks at Bet Rivers. Don't forget to download that Bet Rivers app. It is easy to place your bets right on your phone. It's an app that I use all the time. Live betting. You can bet in-game, futures, all that kind of good stuff. You can play casino games if you want. The Bet Rivers app is a, is a great app, and you need to get it. Uh, even if you're just betting a little money every week, it's fun to get that app. Uh, all right, so the Mike Mazzelli podcast today, um, a little later in the podcast, we're going to talk to uh, the great John Clark, who's covered uh, Philadelphia sports for a long time. We're going to talk about sports, but also life. John just had a situation, uh, and it's a, a cautionary tale for everybody because I had a, a similar situation uh, many years ago uh, with my heart and a, and a stent being put in. We'll talk to John about that, how he's recovering from that, how it happened. But in the meantime, let's talk about the game this week with the Eagles against a lousy team. They're in Chicago. They're a nine-point favorite. And I can't see any way that the Eagles can slip here and make this a game uh, for the Bears, even if the Dallas Cowboys are coming up next week as a look-ahead game. Uh, they have a decided advantage uh, in this game. So let's look inside this game, a game that should have uh, absolutely no problem with the Eagles dominating. Now, in another year, maybe I'll have difficulty saying that. But the way this team is, because people look at this and go, okay, this is a trap game. In past years, it would be considered a trap game. Coming off a big win, you got the Bears on the road, and then the look-ahead game at Dallas, which would be the third straight game on the road. But here's the thing about this Eagle team. They are so dominant that you can't allow for that kind of slippage. I, I think fans have learned this year. One tiny thing against the Commanders. But in every other game, they give you this confidence level that they're not capable of being one of those teams that loses to a bad team because they're not all there on that particular day. This team has risen above that. The level of play has been, well, to me, 
Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I've I've said this before. I don't know if I've ever seen a deeper team. To me, talent wise, they're they're the best team. And I know people say, well, they can't be the best team until they win the Super Bowl. It's hard to win a Super Bowl. Uh, that wouldn't change my opinion of what they are now. They have assembled a team that is dominant on both offense and defense. In fact, I can't even tell what side is better. I look at all the numbers and I get their defense rank is just uh, off the charts. Their offensive rank is off the charts. They average 30 points a game. Their point differential is um, they lead the league in point differential, like at plus 280 something, which me, to me means that offense and defense are, are playing the same kind of way and contributing. So let's look at this game to figure out whether they could possibly lose this game. And I've already said they can't. Um, so just, so just some, some, some tidbits. Uh, uh, what we're looking at last week, Jalen Hurts, 21 to 31, two touchdowns, 217, 109.2 rating. Um, you know, the, he, he gets these kind of ratings every game. And uh, his, his level of consistent play, uh, I, I just don't see where this guy in any particular day is just going to fall apart. He, he's risen above that kind of a level. All right, A.J. Brown, he's scored in three straight games. Devontae has scored in two straight games. So let's look at the at the Bears. The Bears stink. Um, they allow 4.8 yards per carry to running backs. Their their defensive rating to wide receivers is 100.0. So if the Eagles, you go, oh, geez, what's my game plan? Because if I run, I'm going to be successful. But if I pass, I'm also going to be successful. So I don't know what kind of game plan they're going to have. But I, I would think it's not difficult to put together an offensive game plan that exploits a bad team like the Bears. Uh, the Bears don't blitz much, and they don't sack people either. They have the fewest quarterback sacks in the league. What they do do, the only advantage they have, they hold quarterbacks to few yards in, in rushing attempts, 3.8 yards per carry to quarterbacks. I don't know what that means. They played some uh, quarterbacks that can get out of the pocket and run. Uh, I, I guess they can cover that flank uh, but nobody's been able to cover Jalen Hurts that way anyway. And even if the, 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 he's not running in a particular game, he's going to be throwing the ball over the field and running the ball with the running backs in, in this game, especially a hot Miles Sanders. Uh, where are their flaws for the Eagles? All right, let, let's just uh, let's look at the Eagles. They don't play the run that well, okay? The commander set a template for how, how you play the Eagles, which is to run the football, ball control, keep their offense uh, off the field. And the Eagles also have trouble stopping running quarterbacks. So if they don't play the run that well, we're, we're talking about David Montgomery being their chief threat. And he's all right. He's not a great back. 4.0 yards per carry, 53.4 yards per game. He's got four touchdowns. It's an average rushing attack. But they have the top running quarterback in the league. The Eagles have given up 6.8 yards per carry to quarterbacks. Justin Fields is the best running quarterback in the league at this point by statistics. 75.4 yards per game he rushes for. 7.1 yards per carry, and he's rushed for eight TDs. So if the Eagles can stop Derrick Henry and Saquon Barkley, they probably could stop David Montgomery. And the only way it looks like the Bears can move the football is if Justin Fields breaks out of the pocket and makes chunk plays for him. Um, he's got 13 touchdowns. He's thrown for 13 touchdowns. He's been intercepted 10 times. Uh, he's been horrible lately. He only averages 158 yards. 
uh, per game uh, passing the football. So I, I, I don't know where to go with this. I don't see any edge at all. Unless Justin Fields runs for 150 yards and they can't stop him, this to me is a several touchdown Eagle win. Eagles pass defense. If Justin Fields was thinking he could throw against him, here, Justin, if you're listening, um, the Eagles pass defense is first in yards per attempt that the other team um, um, has. So they're holding teams to like 5.0 yards per attempt. That's first in the league. They're fourth in the league at quarterback's percent, completion percentage. They've sacked the quarterback 49 times. That's first in the league. They've hit the quarterback this year 92 times. That's second in the league. This is a team that doesn't even blitz, and they put these numbers up because that front four and their rotation has been strong enough to get hits on the quarterback. Fields has been sacked 42 times this year against the team that is coming in with the, the the top ranking in the league sacking the quarterback. So the 42 sacks taken are among the worst in the NFL. That means their offensive line stinks. So <laughs> I don't know what else to say. This is a romp game, and it's a game where you almost think the Eagles could take them so lightly that the Bears could somehow make it a game. This line should be 20 in Chicago. It's only nine. So I think it should be more than that, and maybe that'll give you cause for concern. But let's bring producer Darren in. Darren, I, I don't know. I just I just gave you a bunch of statistics. Uh, I can't see where this is any kind of a competitive situation. I, I totally agree. Uh, first of all, uh, is this the first time you've heard a line that was nine and thought that's a Bears line? It's I mean, nine low. is a Bears line, right? I think the, I think the Cowboys. Yeah, it is. A- it is a Bears line. It should be a double-digit line. I think Dallas was like a 15-point favorite against Houston a couple of weeks ago. You know, this is even a bigger uh, mismatch, I think. Chicago. The only thing that Chicago has going for them is I don't remember. I'm trying to rack my brain. Have the Eagles seen a running quarterback this year? Because that's all they do well is fields can run. Yeah. They they, they faced, uh, well, Daniel Jones. And um, um, come on, Daniel Jones. Uh, well, who I, I can't remember right now, but there's been a couple of guys. Yeah, like, like that's the one thing they do well. The Montgomery's are not going to do anything against them. This game is. Tannehill ran out of the pocket on them. Jones ran out of the pocket on them. I mean, those guys can get chunk yards by running running out of the pocket. This guy can do it better than anybody. Yeah, and he can. And and that's the only thing that they do well. Uh, and again, this is another t- a game. This is like. My favorite expression, the halftime cigar piece. This game's going to be over at halftime. For the third straight week, you're going to see Gardner Minshew get significant playing time. This is a game that uh, they do seem to be focused. Uh, they don't. I don't think this team looks ahead. I really think they bury them early and get out of Dodge and start playing for Dallas. I mean, yeah, you know, this is the thing. This is what I've learned about this team, and it's 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 really interesting that you learn that they can't have a slip and and let a bad team be competitive against them. And the Washington game was more of an aberration than the norm. Uh, and I look at this like, oh yeah, minus nine seems like it's a Bears line. It's a uh, Dallas is on deck, but they they have shown a profile where. They have a good enough leadership in that locker room where they they don't allow for slippage. There there aren't guys there that are going to slack. They're all now determined, and uh, so yeah, I agree. Uh, I it would really shock me if the Bears cover that nine point number, and it may be one of my plays of the week when we do our picks of the week a little later. So 
another easy piece for the Eagles coming up on Sunday, I do believe. And, and you know what? Fans aren't even nervous about this game. The fans in the past have always been nervous about Eagle teams. Oh, man, could this be a trap game? Or, nobody speaks that anymore. This team has conditioned people that, no, nah, that's not going to happen with this team. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Well, today on the podcast, we have a special guest. And, and of course, you know him well. He's been in this city for a really long time. Um, Ever-present on the, the TV uh, screens, NBC Sports Philadelphia and NBC 10. He is the great John Clark joining us today. Hello, Johnny. Uh, Mikey Miss, good to talk to you uh, on the air again. Podcast, this is great. Uh, this is a great format for you, and I'm, I'm really happy to uh, to be on your show. Thank you, man. Now, we were talking about this when I had the radio show. Like We were talking about uh, Mount Rushmore sports people that have been here for a long time. And uh, callers were bringing your name up. You're no. right in the box with that, aren't you? No, that mean, that would mean I'm getting old. I don't want to hear that. But, uh, I mean, I didn't know that, Mike. But to be honest with you, I mean, that's that's awesome. I mean, I'm just a kid from Philadelphia area like you uh, who grew up wanting to be involved in the sports scene because I wasn't good enough to play it. So uh, so to be involved in any way is awesome. It's an honor, man. Well, how many years have you been in the, in the sports business covering sports in Philly? I know you, you, you were you're affiliate and you went south for a while and then came back. What year did you come back? Uh, 2001. I've been at NBC for 21 years now, which is just insanity to think about. Yeah. And you were, where, where were you in Florida? So my first job at a temple was at uh, channel 40 in Atlantic city and then jumped down to West Palm beach, Florida for like a year and a half and then got the dream job in Philly. Ah, so the dream job wasn't in West Palm beach, which is really interesting. I'm an idiot, Mike. I mean, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm in West Palm Beach for a year and a half, and it's the greatest climate in the country, maybe other than San Diego, but golf everywhere, tennis everywhere, the ocean, and I couldn't wait to get home to Philadelphia, my hometown. Wow, that says a lot. It says a lot about somebody with Philadelphia roots. Uh, all right, so before we get into our fascinating sports conversation, because we come at it from like two different platforms, which I think is really interesting, depending on what our jobs were uh, and are. Uh, but let's talk about uh, health for a minute, because you just uh, went through an episode that I had gone through a few years ago, and it, it's really interesting. It's, it's eerie to, to hear your story, which was similar to my story. Uh, and you had a blockage in your main heart artery, which is called the LAD, and, and it, and it kind of came out of nowhere for you. And you're, you're recovering right now, but, uh, but tell me the story on how this happened. And this is a good thing to talk about, not because I want to tell your tale of woe or my tale of woe, but it's a precautionary tale for people uh, and men especially to really pay attention to get checked up and to see how your heart's ticking because there's no there's no screen that you can look at to check in on your heart every day. It's just it's just there. You know it beats, but you never know what condition it's in. And you found that out uh, in, a, in, a, in a blink, did you? Yeah, Mike. And it was really eerie when we were talking about how our stories are so similar that uh, I just started to have chest pains. I had real tightness and constricting feelings in my chest and my throat. And it went it, it went on for like a couple days. It would come and go like every minute or two. Uh, and I said, all right, what is this? So I Googled, which is the thing we do these days. And, and I guess I've got some digestive issues. So I, I thought it was maybe digestive or acid reflux or something. 
And it's crazy. I even remember somewhere on Google it saying, if you think you're having a heart attack, don't worry, you probably aren't. And I'm, I took that. I don't know why. Why am I believing things on the internet? But this went on for like a week and it would come and go. I'm very active. I exercise every day. So I was playing tennis or working out. And at some point I would feel this really tight, constricting feeling and it wasn't going away. So I got an appointment with my doctors and luckily my nurse, she's fantastic, Mindy, she was able to move me up a day because they had an opening and she got me in and I come in and they did some tests. Oh, everything seems okay, but let's do an EKG on you. They did an EKG and they came back. I could tell from their faces something was really wrong. And they said, this is highly disturbing. We got to get you to the hospital. So I went to the hospital, went through all the things with the cardiologists. And they told me that I had a heart attack. And I, I mean, I, I got to tell you, I, I've never been more stunned in my life. I was shocked. I was stunned. I've never smoked. I work out every day. I exercise. I'm in good shape. I watch my diet pretty well all these things, but you never know what's going on in your heart. And as you said, 99% um, blockage of what they call in the hospitals, the widowmaker artery. And I didn't like to hear that when they, when they say it's the widowmaker, I'm like, what you call it that? Um, I was scared to death. I was scared to death. It was shocking, but the procedure that both of you and I have had with the stent is an absolutely amazing medical procedure. Uh, whether it's a surgery or procedure, whatever, but it undoes the blockage and it pushes all of the plaque away. Um, so it, it was a scary thing, but Mike, like the reason why we're doing this, I think is because I never even knew the possibility that even though I feel great and exercise every day, that there could be something wrong with my heart. I never even knew about the coronary calcium exam that you can go get the exam that insurance doesn't pay for. And it's not that expensive that will show you if there's blockage in your heart. And so this is kind of just a good PSA for people. If you feel anything in your chest or tightness or even in your arm, and I hear some women maybe in your lower back, then go to your doctor immediately. Just go get checked out. It doesn't take much time. And I wish I had done that originally because then maybe it wouldn't have been as scared. Yeah, I, so so my story, I should tell it also because it's a cautionary tale. Um, I, I have uh, heart disease in my family. I knew it. But, uh, you know, so this was several years ago, and uh, I had been covering the Maxwell Club dinner. And, and so we had broadcast there, and the dinner was Saturday night, and it was at Revel. And if you know anything about Revel Casino, it's very vast. And so I had to walk from one spot to the other. It felt like a mile I was walking. I was having this congestion in my chest that I just thought was a, a congestion, like a cold or something. And uh, so it, st it started to intensify in, over the weekend. And so I called my doctor, who was Dr. Mike from the Fox 29 show. And I called him and I said, can you, you know, I think I have uh, like chest congestion. Uh, I, you know, maybe I need some medications. And he said, all right, well, come in and see me Tuesday. So I, I got on the way to doing my radio show, like 12 noon, I thought, I'll stop in. He'll give me a prescription. I'm out. And uh, so I go in there and he, he does an EKG on me. And the EKG came back normal. So all of a sudden I remember that my meter was running out. So I had to run down. His office is on 37th and Market. I had to run down to the elevator, get all the way down, run to the street. 
and put the money in the meter and run back up because he had patience wait. So uh, by the time I came back up, I, that, that pressure was back on me. Uh, so he called his cardiologist friend at University of Penn Hospital, and the guy knew exactly what it was. And he said, get him into the emergency room immediately. So Dr. Mike left his doctor office, puts me in his car, drives me to the University of Penn, checks me into an emergency pod, and for the next four hours, they're doing blood tests on me. And I only still don't know what's going on. I have no clue what's going on. And I, so finally, I pulled one of these five cardiologists that was working uh, on me. And I go, what, excuse me, what, what, are you, what are you doing? And he says, we're taking blood tests to see if we have to match these enzymes to see if you had a heart attack. And it's like I had the same reaction. Like, heart attack, what? Uh, so he said, so we had to do a cardiac cath on you to find out what the story is. They put me on a gurney. They wheeled me down to the cardiac cath thing. There's all these screens that are now I'm, I'm sedated, but there's all these screens where you can see all the veins. And uh, the guy leans down to me. He goes, I need permission to put a stent in your heart. And I go, what? He goes, you have a 97% blockage in your LAD. And I go, well, suppose I say, no, I don't give you my permission. He goes, well, the rest of it will fill up and you'll drop that on the street. I go, okay, put it in. <laughs> so, so, and what the stent does, and they did it differently to you. The stent is this little device that goes in to your bloodstream and gets up to the heart, finds the blockage, and then opens uh, wide to, to widen your artery so the clot then flows out. And, and that's what's, what the stent is. But they put it in. They put it in under my right, right testicle. They put yours in. You got lucky. They put it in your wrist. Mike, So they put it in my thankful. right testicle. Here comes the clippers. And then, and then like these two nurses are moving my, my junk all the way to the left to stretch it out so they can, they can put a tube in my, underneath my testicle. It, it was very awkward and very uncomfortable. And when you come out of it, they pull that thing out. And I had a bleeding problem. I mean, this is like gross for people. But they, so now two nurses are pressing on my groin with all their might. And uh, it was just a nightmare experience. But I tell you, the stand, and I don't know if this you felt the same way, but it gave me immediate relief. And I remember in the recovery room and I woke up and I just felt, wow, I was just completely cleansed and fresh. And I went to work actually back on the radio two days later. Wow. That's how that's how unbelievable it is. Yeah, and, and Mike, I think I was spared a little bit. They they made the incision in my wrist and so I, I got lucky. I didn't have the the uh the time down there that you had. But um Mike, I I gotta <laughs> tell you, I mean you're you're so right. It was like I was walking the next day in the hospital and walking around, it's almost like it, it clears the, the clogging of your pipe uh, and everything. Is yeah, that's now. exactly what it is. It's a pipe clog. It's like Drano for your heart. Lord. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, uh, you know, I want to meet the guy who invented the stent because like it's the tiniest little thing. But like you said, it opens up like an umbrella in your heart. Yeah. And and I got to tell you, Mike, when I was in the hospital, I, I watched and, 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 and the care that healthcare workers, doctors and nurses, cardiologists, all of the people who work in hospitals, Mike, it is an amazing profession and and the things that they do for people um are, are just amazing so i i, I want to give a shout out to them because during the pandemic um and, and every single day they're dealing with so many different things and they've got people's lives in their hands and they do an awesome job and you know as you said um 
you just don't know. Like when I heard heart attack, I was like, what, when, Mm -hmm. when did this happen? And, and, you know, I, I was at the gym the morning of my appointment with my doctor. I was playing tennis two days before and these pains would come on. The constriction would come on when I'm working out or when I'm just standing there. So, um, I'm telling everybody just go get checked out. If you have any history, go get the coronary calcium scan because do it before it's too late. I mean, you know, we're, we're what a couple of percentages away from our heart being completely blocked up. I mean, that's crazy. So we're lucky. Yeah. And, um, you're right because we both got lucky because it could have been fatal if we we didn't do what we did. Uh, and, but let let me talk about, and and you brought up something that's interesting. When I first started talking to you about this, you were, you were kind of uh, leery of a, of the stigma of having a heart attack, and, and that's what people have need to like get past that because it can happen to anybody at any time. There's no stigma attached to it. It's not like you you went to the heart attack store and spent too much time in it. When you came out, you had a heart attack. It, it just it just hits you, and you you never know for whatever reason it is. Uh, and there really is no reason. It, it, you know, hereditary is one thing. You're eating poorly is another thing. Obesity is another thing. But you say you were perfectly healthy. And it happened. So, yeah, it is very important to, to pay attention to it because, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who want you to hang around in this world. Yeah. And, and, and you're so right, because I'm having my genetics kind of looked at through blood work and everything. And um, I mean, they say you can't out exercise genetics. You can't like outrun genetics. And so if I find out there's a history somewhere in my family of this or you can simply have a history, I believe, of having plaque being more mm-hmm. likely to build up in your heart. It doesn't necessarily need to be like heart disease or things like that. You can have a, a predisposition to building up plaque in your heart. And it's amazing how many people could be walking around. I had no idea. I had a 99% blockage, no idea. And so I just implore everybody, just get a checkup. Or if you feel anything, if you feel any type of discomfort, tightness, or pain, please go get checked out because I learned a lot through this. I was in the dark about a lot of this. Yeah, and here, so people that are listening, you, after this is done, you live a completely normal life. You can go back to, you know, if you want to change your diet, you can, but uh, uh, and to be safer. But you, you'll take cholesterol medicine to keep your cholesterol down. You keep take blood pressure medicine to keep your blood pressure down. And you'll do that for a really long time. And you'll take baby aspirin. And and, and that will, you know, keep you, keep you fine. You know, that's it. And you just live a normal life. There really are no restrictions, but you got to pay attention to this thing. So listen, man, I'm I'm glad that uh, you you pulled out of this thing the way you did. Uh, A lot of people are unlucky when when it comes to this kind of thing. We caught ours in time, and uh, and now we're back to doing what we do. Yeah, no, and I and I appreciate you. You've uh, you've given me some good hope and guidance through this whole thing. And I, I I was when I heard you describe your story, I'm like, Oh my goodness, that's exactly the way it happened. So we're lucky, buddy. Yeah. You're luckier than me because you didn't have your groin black and blue for (laughs) three days. Well, there was a separation of probably 10 years between our events. So, so modern medicine's getting better. And, uh, I got, I got spared. <laughs> yes, you did. All right. So John, let's talk some sports here because we're, we're riding a high time right now. And, uh, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles are, uh, to me, I, I, I can't imagine that they wouldn't be the NFC representative in the Super Bowl at this point. I know people go, don't jinx them, Mike. But when you look at the reality of it, there's two teams that could threaten them. 
uh, the Dallas Cowboys and the San Francisco 49ers. And both those games would be at Lincoln Financial Field, where they have a decided home field advantage. They won nine in a row there uh, at that point with that kind of crowd. Uh, what's your assessment of what has happened with this football team? Mike, it's absolutely amazing because this team, and you see it nationally, the national shows all love a little bit of drama, a little bit of worry or concern with the team. This team is so good and so complete com- uh, complete that there's really no drama every week. They're blowing out playoff teams like the Giants and Titans in December, even on the road at the Giants. And there isn't any, you know, a player doesn't say something wrong after a game. Um, there's no drama, no issues with this team. And I, I think they don't get the the love from a lot of the national shows because the national shows love the conflict or debate like the Cowboys every week, 49ers are on their third string quarterback. So to me, it's almost like here in Philadelphia, it's like we have a team here that it's almost like you don't have a concern about. I mean, think about this. They go up to the Giants and the Giants, you know, they're fighting for the playoffs and all NFC East teams are in the playoffs right now, by the way. So whoever says the Eagles don't have a, a schedule that's worthy of of uh, consideration, then, then they're wrong. Um, so they go up to the Giants, and from the get-go, they march right down the field 15 or 14 plays for like 84 yards, next drive over 90 yards. Their defense getting after the quarterback. Their defense shuts them down. They're up 21 to nothing. They were up on the Titans. Mike, they are a machine. It is amazing. This team, this team it's like they don't have a flaw. They don't have like a weakness that a coach can go in and say, let's exploit this. Yeah, it's the deepest team that I've ever seen. And I know people have, and I think it, because of that, I can say it's the best team I've ever seen. The best team doesn't always win the Super Bowl. I don't know what's going to happen down the line. But I've never seen the, the depth of talent that they have. Uh, and you can't really decide what's is better, the offense or the defense. The, 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 the numbers are like eye-popping. Their, their point differential points out that both sides – uh, are, are are responsible for for this kind of record, and you're right. They are they are unflappable, and uh, you know we've seen other teams in the past that have been good, but always have that uh, that that lull where where they get knocked down uh, and that inconsistent piece. This team doesn't have the inconsistent piece. Yeah, it was a lemon against the Commanders, but uh, like there's no down games for this team because they rise above it and. Every time, it's amazing, that every time a team will score on them, they have the immediate answer. Like if a team makes it semi-close, boom, they'll go on a drive and score and take them take themselves out of harm's way. I've never really seen anything like this in a, in a football team in this city. And Mike, against the Titans, who are one of the more physical football teams, defenses, I believe they had nine penalties in the first half, and they were still rolling. It's like, they're, they're like you know, first and 20, second and 20, whatever it is, and they just keep rolling. So nothing can stop this team. And, Mike, I, this week in the locker room, I uh, I was talking to some of the guys about Jalen Hurts' work ethic, and it really hit me because Jordan Mailata said, when I come in on my off day for treatment, I see Jalen Hurts' car there. A.J. Brown said he was at home last night, 7 p.m., FaceTiming his good buddy Jalen Hurts, Jalen is still at Novacare. He's in there early. He's in there late. He's in there on off days. And I'm thinking this guy is 24 years old and he's like Kobe Bryant. He's on a singular mission. 
And and he's unflappable. Even when they have these two big wins, it's like ho-hum. He hardly even said they clinched a playoff spot. And well, it was crystallized by that TV shot where you saw three wide receivers yucking it up, and he's next to him, like stoically looking straight ahead. Yeah, and he wants no he wants no part of that. In a way, he's almost too serious. But uh, uh, he he I've never seen. I'm going to ask you this question because you cover sports long, long as well. Um, I've never seen a guy go from question mark to MVP caliber in that short of time. I've tried to think of every athlete. It's, I don't think there's ever been an athlete where the fan base, goes, I, don't, I don't know, he still has to prove it to like within 13 games, he's the MVP. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, Mike, because you, you look back second year of Doug Peterson, second year of Carson Wentz together, 2017, they win the Super Bowl. And it is interesting, the comparisons, because this is the second year of Jalen and Nick together. And last year, they, of course, made the playoffs, which was fantastic. And they had an awful game. When I watched that game against the Bucks, and I saw what they did to Jalen Hurts, I was like, you know what? I don't know if Jalen is going to be able to get to that level, that level of like actually being a contender to get to an NFC title game with with the things that I saw and it is amazing and remarkable the improvements he's made in his game he is the highest rated quarterback in the pocket right now 73 percent completion percentage from the pocket the touch on his deep throws his timing and anticipation throws the improvements he have made he has made I agree with you I don't know if we've ever seen it I think somebody's got to do some statistical work or whatever um but I think it's number one through hard work and studying and looking at the film every day. Um, and then I think there's, it's an amazing thing that he is the son of a coach. And from day one as a kid, he was taught accountability and work ethic. And you see that every week, Mike, like, like yesterday at his, at his press conference. At the end, he's like, all right, I'm going to give you one more chance to ask me a question about the Bears defense. Because what he's trying to say is all of you media right now are doing all these stories about how great we are. No one's asking me about the Bears defense and that they have a chance to win. And that's what he's doing with his entire team. He is setting the tone every single week as a 24-year-old leader and quarterback that we can't take this Bears team lightly. He does it every week. Yeah, he's he's the leader of that whole movement where they – uh, that's why they avoid slippage because they know they're good, and a team that knows they're good sometimes comes out and just thinks their jersey just wants their jersey on the field is going to win a game. But this team doesn't do that. It actually puts the effort in to win every game. It's it's an interesting phenomenon. So let's uh, try to predict where you think this will go. And we're talking, of course, to John Clark of NBC Sports Philly, NBC Ten. Um, you know, this game they should not this. It's funny because this game, the Bears are so bad. But in the past, like you would be afraid of a team that was bad beating the Eagles. But you have no fear that the Eagles are, are you know, it, to me, like nine points is like one of the easiest point spreads of the week against this team. Uh, so the, the obvious, but the look ahead game is the Dallas Cowboys. This team hasn't looked ahead all year. Uh, that Cowboy game, they're, no matter what happens, they're going to be the number one seed, I believe. So where do you think this thing is going? I agree with you. I think they're going to be the number one seed because if they beat the Bears, all they need to do is either beat the Cowboys or 
win those last two games. Uh, so I do think they're going to be the number one seed. They're one-point underdogs in Dallas for that game. I believe it's the first time this year they'll be underdogs. I think there's a possibility they can lose that game, but that's okay. The Cowboys want to make up for that loss in Philly. They didn't have their starting quarterback. Cowboys have a great defense. I love their defense. Got a good player at every level. So even if they were to lose that Cowboys game, to me, it's okay. Like, you're allowed to lose a game to, you know, as you said, you're talking Cowboys and 49ers are the, the true threats. So if they get the number one seed and you're talking about the Cowboys or the Niners or the Bucks or some team coming to the link, Mike, I, I don't see any of those teams beating the Eagles at Lincoln Financial Field. I agree. And here's the other thing about the Dallas game. Why I wouldn't be upset if they lost that game. Because if they win the game, that's two straight over Dallas. If you look at the playoffs, they're most likely their first game in the playoffs is going to be against the Cowboys at Lincoln Financial Field. It's very difficult to beat a team three straight times. But in, if they lose that regular season game, you got the Lincoln Financial Field dynamic and, and you have the revenge factor that they just lost to that team. So to me, that would be a lock win on those circumstances. I'm a little afraid of three in a row. But I, you know, this team has proven to me that they're so good that uh, these little traps that you usually find in the NFL and usually find with Eagle teams of the past don't exist. Yeah, and, and Mike, I, I, just, I, I just can't stress enough, like Jalen Hurts at his age, 24, um, and he's probably older in terms of maturity because of growing up with a coach and the coach that coached him and also being benched in a national championship game. And he's he's been through kind of those – you know, like you could say a national championship game is like an NFC title game or a Super Bowl, right? So, you know, mm -hmm. he's been in those pressure situations having gone to Alabama. So he's been in spots. And um, I, I just – I'm just so impressed because you've seen other guys and other teams. I mean, let's think about back in the day where Randall Cunningham is leaving halftime of a preseason game to go see Whitney Houston in Atlantic City. I mean – you know, he's got his mind on other things. Jalen Hurts does not have his mind on anything else but conquering his goals, and his goal is to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, well, and we'll see if that happens. Uh, you know, I at this point, I, I don't know if I could say they're going to beat somebody in the Super Bowl or if it's Buffalo or Kansas City. Cross that bridge we come to it. Uh, I do think this is the deepest team they've ever had. I think they have a really good shot to take it home. Now, um, Interestingly enough, in the year 2016, I believe, I made a prediction that the uh, the Philadelphia teams would win two championships within the next five years. And 2022 was I, was the last year of the gap of that. They won the Super Bowl in 2017. And then I dismissed the notion completely because I thought that, and I, well, what I said obviously is bullshit because nobody's close to winning anything. And all of a sudden, magically, here come the Phillies and boom, here comes this Eagle team. So do, do, is it possible that there are back-to-back -back championships in a football and a baseball season? Wow. It is definitely possible, Mike. And maybe, I mean, I, I, you got to pull the tape. You got to get that back from 2016 because that's... <laughs> no, people are reminding me on Twitter daily now that I made this prediction there's going to be two championships in that, in that pan because 
that the climate at that time was looking all, all of it was looking up. And then somehow it took a detour down because the Sixers were involved in that whole championship dynamic a whole bit. And then we, I just dismissed it out of my head. All of a sudden, these two teams rise up back. Now, I don't know if the Sixers are going to rise up. It doesn't look like that to me. But uh, the Phillies and the Eagles right now seem to have a chance legitimately to have parades. That's that's a legit chance. And and I'll tell you what else is amazing. You're, you're talking about Bryce Harper. He was the MVP last year. Um, you're also looking at Jalen Hurts could possibly be the first Philadelphia Eagle to be MVP. Uh, and Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid is the leading scorer in the NBA. So you have a chance of having three MVPs in three years. Um, and if I were to ask you, you're looking at 2023. That's when the Super Bowl will be played. The Phillies have a shot. Who do you think has a better shot at the next championship? I think the Phillies have a really good shot. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of tied at, at this point between, between the Eagles and Phillies uh, on who's going to win a championship. I, I think maybe both can. So, I know, like, I've never, like, experienced all like, like that scenario where like, you can go back to 80, I guess. And I, I was covering sports in 80. I, got, I mean, I just started covering sports. But that was a golden era. This is a pretty golden era. And, uh, I, I you know, it's funny, Philadelphia fans, are they set up a little bit at this point? Like, has this team set these fans up? To, like, if they don't win it, will it be a colossal disappointment or will it be a great year? It's a great question because I was thinking to myself, what's more fun? The way the Phillies, like, let's say the Phillies had won the World Series. To me, a lot of people were like, ah, this Phillies team, they're not going to make it that game in Washington, the doubleheader. You know, this team is awful. People were so down on them. And then they go on one of the most remarkable turnaround runs in a postseason ever. And the excitement level, it's almost like you didn't have a feeling for them. And then all of a sudden you're like, I love this team. And so I'm wondering, I'm wondering what's the more fun way to go through this, that or the Eagles have just rolled the entire way. There's no... There's no drama. There's no mystery. They've been the number one team the whole way. And it's interesting to me because the Phillies, in a way right now, was more fun to me. But obviously, if the Eagles go to the Super Bowl um, and it's set up, hopefully, for them to do that, that is going to be fun. I don't know if it's going to be as fun. Um, but to answer your question, to me, if Jalen Hurts at 24 can lead this team to a Super Bowl appearance in his second year uh, after being a second-round draft pick to be a backup for Carson Wentz. I mean, I think I'm okay with that. I, I'm uh, great you with know, that. It's, a, it's a really interesting question because oh, football's always king. And my uh, my uh, original thought would be if you win a Super Bowl in this town since football's king, that's the greater moment. But the way the Phillies turned the town on during that whole thing, they, there might just be that – Maybe the Phillies are the, the more fun thing to do. I, I don't know. But that see, what we were talking about here, this is Philadelphia. We're talking about the, the embarrassment of riches. <laughs> like, what the hell is that? All right. So let's let's talk about uh, uh, sports journalism in, 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 our, in our careers. And, and it's funny because we come from different angles, but, but we've bonded as uh, uh, people who cover sports in this town. I was bred to be cynical. 
I started out in newspapers where you have to be cynical. And then I went to radio where I have to be cynical and, and kind of, uh, uh, you know, battling back and forth with people. You took a different path. TV is, and that's why I always affectionately call you Johnny Sunshine, because you always see the sunshine in the, in the sports. So, uh, and TV people have to do that. You're always a TV person. So um, try to explain that dynamic to me, how we, we approach our jobs. That's interesting. Uh, I mean, obviously being a, a sports TV person, my, my mentor and the guy that I watched on TV and I said, I like this guy. I want to be like him was Gary Papa. Um, and, and you have been, the top sports talk radio guy in the city of Philadelphia, along with Angelo Cataldi for three decades. So I listened to you and Steve Fredericks when I was in high school and college. Um, And if there was a radio guy, if I was a radio guy, you would be the guy that I wanted to be like Uh, the snappy clothes with you and Steve. Um, (laughs) You guys were great together. And then, and then Gary Papa was the guy for me because if you're coming on TV for three minutes a night and you're trying to give Philadelphia sports fans the information and the video that they need to know for the night, they don't want to hear. First of all, hot take is a thing that came out, you know, a couple years ago with all the media that's out there. But when I was coming out of college, you want to give people the sports of the day and the night in a fun, fast paced way. And that's that's the way that I kind of did it uh, or do it. And Gary Papa was my mentor. Now it's changed now because. Everything is immediate, Twitter, Instagram, uh, radio, everything. And so everybody's got to come up with a hot take. Everybody's got to have a hot take so that they can get the clicks on their website. It's about clicks now. You know, when I was coming up out of college, and certainly you, it wasn't about clicks. It It was about serving your reader, serving your viewer. But now it's about clicks. So um, my my whole thing with the job I do is to try to give people the information they I think that they are interested in, but also do it in a fun way. Um, and, and my thing is, I want to know a little bit more about why something happened or why a player is the way he is. And so I try to give some some perspective and some information about the why things happen. So, I mean, maybe, maybe we do come at it from a different way, but, um, you know, I'm kind of in this social media era now where, um, it's about content and you want to give the people the content they want. Um, and yeah, I'm probably, I'm probably not as, uh, investigator like or, um, negative as some people in, in the media, but, I'm looking for perspective. I'm looking for why something happened. No, it's a good thing that, that, that you, you stick to your guns that way. My thing is that uh, conversation has always been my thing since I've done radio for so long. So I will go back and forth with people and I'll tweak them and I'll try to get them to look at another side. And that's just the, the, the thing that, that I do that I find most interesting about uh, what I've done m- most of my life. So I'll, I will I will be a, a you know, I'll, I'll lash back at people. I'll be a little negative. I'll be sarcastic and stuff like that. But I remember and you bring up Gary and I know Gary was a good friend of yours and I knew Gary very well as well. Gary always had a cynical side off the air though. <laughs> he was very, he was very snide and cynical off the air. Right. Yeah. But you, you know, you're not like that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I try to, I try to be positive in my life. Um, and especially, over these last couple weeks, I mean, I say hi to every single person that's on the street now or, or leaving someplace because you, you feel lucky. Um, but 
Um, you know, look, there's some guys that have come through our city, like Ben Simmons, right? I mean, no one has gotten me more angry than a guy like Ben Simmons, who basically all he was asked to do was improve your jump shot, improve your free throw shooting. And he no longer wanted to be in the city of Philadelphia. He no longer wanted to play with Joel Embiid. They wouldn't speak and haven't spoken since the trade. Um, he wanted out. And to me, I'm like, that kind of defines his character and who he's really about. So do you really want that guy on your team? No. And I'll tell you one, too. Um, I always look for the good in people. Carson Wentz. I mean, when he came into Philadelphia, when he was drafted here to be the guy, MVP year 2017. And I'm telling you, Mike, he, he dove into charity work, formed his own foundation, was doing everything he possibly could for the area. And then when things got too tough, and it's, it's really bizarre circumstances with Nick Foles, the injuries, and drafting Jalen Hurts. But when things got too tough, he asked out. He wanted out. And to me, I said, you know what? That, to me, defines inside his character. And so I'm not surprised by what's happened to him because he asked out. He could have said, you know what? I'm going to rise above this, and I'm going to be the starting quarterback of the Eagles. I'm going to beat out Jalen Hurts. I'm going to win over, over everybody, but he didn't. And so to me, those guys, they've disappointed me because I will stand up for anybody who's given 100% effort and puts everything into it they possibly can. A lot of times I'm the guy who says, you know what, we shouldn't be blaming Jalen Rager. We shouldn't be blaming Mike Mamula. We shouldn't be blaming these guys who were taken in the spots they were. That's on the team. They're obviously not ready for it. They're not good enough for it or whatever. Um so I think sometimes the anger is placed in the wrong direction in some of these situations. I got you. Uh, and and you, you just brought up the two biggest villains in, in the history of sport. And, and Simmons is the number one villain and uh, Lance is the number two villain. I don't know and about that, I, Mike. I don't know about that. Uh, well, I'm going to tell you why, why I think because of your point. Those guys lack respect for their profession which translates that you lack respect for the fan base that follows your profession. And, and that's where that sets me off completely that you don't have enough respect for the fan base to actually want to be better uh, and, and satisfy your customer. And I, I can't, I can't assassinate those guys enough on social media or on the radio because of that factor. If you turn your back on the fans in the city, which is what they both did, then I don't have respect for you. Yeah, that's the way I've always looked. Mike, I agree. Ben Simmons, all they were asking was work on your free throws, work on your shooting. Carson Wentz, work on your footwork, your mechanics, improve some of the things that you're not doing well. But I find it interesting, Mike, that uh, Ben Simmons, I agree, is the number one villain in the history of Philadelphia sports. I agree. Carson Wentz, the reaction I get on social media uh, from a lot of people is that he helped them win the Super Bowl. And he did, no doubt. He, without Carson that year, they don't win a Super Bowl. But to me, the fact that he asked out instead of stepping up to the adversity, that says it all about somebody's right. character. Right. And I agree he did contribute uh, the 11 wins that year. I, I, I get it. But then he, he threw the goodwill right out the window, just like Scott Rowland did. Scott Rowland was a very good player here. Who was good well with the city right out the window. Yeah. So if you're going to do that, I respect you because you're letting down fans. Uh, so uh, all right. So let's uh, let's just quickly get into a couple other things. Uh, uh, do Do you believe the Sixers have a feel that they can win something this year? 
You know what? Um, I think with the situation after trading for James Harden, that they've done the best they can to try to maximize James, Joel, and surround them with guys that can help those guys. But I don't think it's enough. When I look at Milwaukee and when I look at, my goodness, the Celtics, I mean, the athleticism of the Celtics, um, I don't think they have enough to get by those two teams. I think it's going to be Milwaukee and Boston. I mean, I it seems obvious. And and the beat goes on for the Sixers and their search for the Holy Grail. <laughs> so it may never even happen with a great player like Joel Embiid in town. All right, uh, quickly, um, there's another professional team in the city. I, I can't remember their name. Um, I, I think they play indoors on ice. Um, this is the most, one of the most deplorable situations I've ever seen for a team that has this kind of heritage and this kind of funding and this kind of major market that they could be among the, the dreck of the league. How has this happened? How has it been allowed to happen? How come they aren't seemingly willing to change anything? Wow. That is a great question. And, and I'll be honest with you. I think with the Phillies and Eagles, it, it has given Philadelphia just something so much fun to, to, to ride with. I mean, the Phillies and Eagles, this is one of the most incredible fun rides you've ever seen in the history of this town to go from one to the other. And so I think the Flyers are kind of like, it doesn't really even enter my mind. I mean, do you think about it at all? I, I really don't. I, I think about it only because it's disgraceful that a major market city that has produced really kind of a, a, a decent uh, era of hockey, even though they haven't won in 45 years, but they've always been fairly competitive, can be the dregs of the league. I I can't remember the last time a Philadelphia team was a dreck of the league. I mean, you have to go back to some bad Phillies teams, I guess, uh, and some, maybe some bad Sixers teams. This is among the worst. They, they have absolutely zero – and they have a general manager who's still there, and I don't get it. Yeah, yeah, no, and and there's been there's been bad decisions. There's been a lot of injuries. I mean, the Ryan Ellis trade, awful how that turned out. Uh, there's been injuries, but bad decisions about the players that you're going to get. Um, and I mean, let's face facts: Chuck Fletcher will probably not be here. Um, Let's just say at the end of the, the fact season, that he's still here well, is mind-boggling to me. In 2023, I believe Chuck Fletcher will be relieved of his duties, uh, and they will move on. Um, but I don't know how they come out of this quickly because, um, you know, the Sixers, for as much heat as they took for what they did, they got the crown jewel, Joel Embiid. They had Ben Simmons, who everybody thought was number one pick overall, and they are a contender every year. That's what you ultimately want. So the Flyers went in a different direction and tried the Band-Aid approach and tried to bring in the JVR and then the different guys who can, okay, let's get this team to being like almost there. Um, what do you think they have to do? Do they have to like completely tear this down and rebuild? I, I, I assume. I, I don't know how you get out of a thing like this because you know, even in the NHL draft, which is so speculative, in general, uh, you know, you can't stack players that are ready to play in the NHL in, in, in a quick period of time. You can do that in basketball and sometimes in baseball with pitchers, but you can't do it in hockey. So I, I don't know where they go. It's 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 just in, in, incredible. I, I don't get it. Uh, but 
you know, I've talked enough about the Flyers at this point. <laughs> it gets me upset. It's just so embarrassing. Uh, John, listen, man, uh, continue success uh, with your health and uh, hang in there and do the right things. And you're going to feel perfectly normal. You, the, the plumbing analogy was perfect. The water flows smoothly now. It goes through all the channels. You're going to be able to do everything you want to do like it never even happened. So God bless you, man, and uh, happy you came out of it uh, with, with the result you did. Appreciate it. And uh, we got to break some bread, get a nice Italian meal, an authentic Italian meal, and uh, you know, a little comfort food back in there. Uh, oh, yeah. We get some meatballs and sausage because now you, you know, don't worry about eating that stuff. You can still eat it. <laughs> Dude, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm, maybe another month of, of greens and stuff like that. But uh, I and I appreciate your guidance, man. You give me good uh, hope, and um, I appreciate you sharing your story with me and, and talking about it with me. So, um, you know, uh, I think I think that the future is positive. All right, that's good. I, in fact, I played golf yesterday. I had two cigars on the course. I feel like shit this morning from them, but you know, they were on the course. They were delightful. Nothing better. <laughs> All right, Johnny, let's let's end on a lighthearted note. We took a, a road trip together um, up to the Cooperstown because our good friend Jason Stark was getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. So uh, we did a road trip together. And we only hotel we could find was uh, many miles from Cooperstown in a town called uh, Oneonta, New York. <laughs> and so uh, we get we get a room in Oneonta, New York, and we, and and you were hungry and. Uh, there was a Denny's that was adjacent to, to this little hotel. What was the hotel? It was It was a bad Mike, hotel, right? Mike, I can't even believe you remember the name of the town we stayed in. Yeah, Oneonta, New York, only because there's a minor league, Yankees minor league baseball right. team in the Oneonta. So, but it was like a low-rent Motel 6 type of hotel. And and uh, there's a Denny's that's kind of attached to it. So you go, let's go over and get something to eat. And I go over to Denny's and I go, okay, I got one choice in Denny's. I'm getting a burger. It's mid-afternoon. I'm getting a burger. It's too late for the Grand Slam breakfast. You go uh, you go for an entree at Denny's, and you take the waitress's recommendation of some kind of Mediterranean dish. What? <laughs> and she just said, this is a, the, the real, people seem to like this uh, Mediterranean. I'm going, you can order a Mediterranean entree at Denny's? And you My take God. a... Like, I don't know, like, explain to me that mindset there. What, you're a trusting person. I have no idea even what I had because I, I have ADD. I can't remember anything, but I was trying to be heart conscious and eat healthy, Mike. I was, you know, <laughs> trying, trying to uh, look out down the line. I have no idea. I think it was what, grilled chicken or like it, it, had- it might have been a Mediterranean chicken with a with a couscous, but the, I didn't recognize the couscous. It was like thick and lumpy and... <laughs> I'm going, dude. I well, now we know what my issue. Because can I take your entree? I go cheeseburger with fries. You go. Yeah. I'll take the Mediterranean chicken. <laughs> Always trying to eat healthy. I was trying to, you know, look out for these moments down the road where I it would come back and help me. Uh, but, it's but- cl- and classic. So we we go to the uh, to the uh, the ceremony with Jason, and um, we run into Larry Christensen, former Philly pitcher, and Larry's bud. And Larry invites us to have dinner with him because I'm having dinner with Pete. And Pete to Larry is Pete Rose. They're like, right, but, I said, but I said, but I said, uh, Pete who? And Larry's like, Pete Rose. Yeah, he says, we're having dinner with Pete. You go, Larry, Pete who? Pete Rose. So they're buddies. And I go, John, let's go to dinner. So I've had Pete Rose on my show a couple of times. I've known him a little bit. And every time I see Pete Rose, he tells me the Joe DiMaggio story. 
Yeah. And so I'm sitting down one end of the table with you. He's down the other end with his, his little chums. And he's he's courting his chums, telling baseball stories like he always does. And I go, wait, John, he's going to come over here. And he's going to tell, he's going to see me. And he's going to tell Joe the Maggio story. And so he, he comes over. And sure enough, like clockwork, he goes into the Joe DiMaggio story. Now, the Joe DiMaggio story for, for the people that, well, I guess I can tell it. I couldn't tell it as well as Pete. But he goes on to tell this story about how he was on a U.S. O tour with Joe DiMaggio in um, Vietnam, and uh, so they go into this, this camp, and uh, and uh, Joe says, uh, uh, "Pete, I got to take a shower," and and he and Pete Rose says, "Joe, you're in the middle of fucking jungle. Where are you going to take a shower?" He goes, "Well, the base they have they have a they have a booth there where." Uh, it's surrounded by curtains and a, a GI, you soap yourself up and a GI pours a bucket of water over you. That's, that's the shower. And, uh, and he turns to Pete Rose and goes, you're the bucket man. So <laughs> Rose goes, I guess I'm with the great Joe DiMaggio. How can I not be the bucket man? Well, I can tell him, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pour the bucket. So he says, I'm over top of the thing. Joe gets undressed and I swear to God, it was a live penis attached to a man. <laughs> and I'm looking down. He goes, I saw what Marilyn saw. <laughs> These are the kind of baseball stories that old school guys like that tell. Yeah. He, he said there was a, there was a human body attached. Oh yeah. There was a human body attached to a live penis. He made it sound, you know, and he goes, I'm so jealous of Joe. <laughs> but anyway that's well hey listen i'm glad you're allowed to tell this story i don't know if i'm allowed to tell no this you're story. not allowed this is a great about a podcast you can yeah. tell stories like this i love it um the, the, the thing that i also remember i don't know if you remember this and, and look i mean when i was growing up in philly pete rose i mean running to first base on a walk charlie hustled nobody hustled more than him so uh i grew up watching this guy and i remember he had a keen eye on the WNBA game that was going on on the TV during the whole dinner. Do you remember that? He was keeping a real close eye on the outcome. Oh, what, he had, did he, what, he had a bet on it? I mean, hey, he was keeping a real close eye on the outcome. <laughs> and and do you remember, I think Pete um, I think Pete was ordering some dessert or wanted something extra after dinner, and maybe they didn't have the dessert he wanted. Did he order like several corn on the cobs for dessert? He did. He did have corn on the cops. You know, and we're talking about him affectionately, but we like the, his last appearance in Philadelphia was disgraceful where uh, they invited him back for that, uh, that reunion. And he got on TV and he was vulgar on NBC Sports Philly. And then he was sexist to the woman reporter. So, like, I'm not telling that story to glorify Pete Rose. I'm just telling it like uh, this, as it related to our our adventure with the Denny's uh, Mediterranean chicken. So yeah. that was a cash the whole story. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and yeah, I mean, like that was really disappointing the way Pete came back. Um, and then you gotta be contrite, but so, so you're, so you're hung up. What should I have ordered at Denny's? You're saying just get the fried chicken. chicken and Dude, there are two things you order at Denny's. So you go for breakfast, you get the grand slam breakfast. Or, or, or in the afternoon, you get yeah. a burger. Cause they can't mess that up. You got to trust the Denny chef with Mediterranean chicken. Like, like you know, like he's, uh, you know, he, he just came from Persia. You know? Rookie mistake on the road. I, I, I thought I used to get the eggs over my hammy. I used to love the eggs over my hammy. I guess should have rolled with that in Oneonta. What, is that what it was called? 
Yes, on the yacht to New York. All right, man. Thanks, John. We'll talk to you. Hey, thanks for having me on. Glad to hear uh, this podcast, man. It's rocking. Appreciate it. Thanks, brother. It's the Mike Nussinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. All righty. Thanks uh, to John Clark for sharing his story and talking sports with me. It's very interesting. Again, um, don't take uh, uh, anything for granted. Uh, get your checkups, get your EKG, figure out what's going on inside your heart and and avoid situations before they hit you uh, unexpectedly and suddenly like they uh, hit uh, John and myself. All right, it's time to go for the picks of the week as we roll into the weekend at the NFL uh, and I think I have a couple of lines that are that are speaking to me this weekend. I've already talked about the Eagles. I think the Eagles are a really good play at minus nine, so I won't make them uh, my picks of the week. But I'm looking at three NFL games that that interest me this week. Uh, my record is uh, pretty good. I'm uh, like six games over 500 in picking these games. Hopefully, you've been following along. So let's start here with the 49ers, the hottest team on the planet right now. And I believe this is a game where they're going to have to readjust. This would be the third game that they've had to play Brock Purdy, his second start at quarterback. Uh, and they lost Deb- Debo Samuel. Uh, and they're riding high right now, and the line's getting my attention. The Seattle Seahawks are at home against the 49ers getting three points. That's a low line for where these teams are right now. 49ers rolling along, Seahawks taking a slippage down with the Seahawks are only a three point underdog in this game. And I'm going to take them. I don't know if I smell upset here, but I think it's going to be a really close game at that number. I'll take the Seahawks plus the three against the 49ers. That line should be higher and it is not. Here's another line that gets my attention. The Ravens keep winning and rolling along. And yet in Cleveland this weekend, they are a, Three-point dog. The Browns minus three at home against the Ravens who lead the division. The Browns probably not going into the playoffs, and yet they are favored here in this game. I will take the Cleveland Browns to win the game and cover the three. I think the Ravens are about to get a butt whooping with their quarterback situation in flux, with the fact that they just squeak by. Their luck is due to run out. I'll take the Browns. I like that play a lot. And uh, this is a, a crap game, and I hate to play crap games, but I'll throw it out there anyway because I think the Steelers died a, a slow death last week. The Steelers had gotten some momentum, and now the quarterback's all banged up, and they have to play that stiff Trubisky. Uh, and the uh, Carolina Panthers showed a little bit of gumption. Uh, Sam Darnold, believe it or not, showed a little bit of life. They are a three-point favorite against the Steelers. I'm going to roll with the Panthers as a favorite. They're not often a favorite. This is a team they can handle. I'll take them at home, minus three. So my picks of the week are Seahawks at home, plus three against the 49ers. They could win the game. The Browns, minus three against the Ravens. Browns, a favorite at home against the Ravens. I like it. And the Panthers, a favorite at home against the Steelers. Minus three. Those are my picks of the week. Take them or don't, but I'm hot. All right. It is now time for Mike Unleashed. Now, Mike Unleashed is sometimes we come with it, sometimes we don't. Mike Unleashed happens to be a story that uh, I recall from last night. I'm in California currently, 
and Newport Beach playing. Uh, I played in a charity golf tournament. And a buddy of mine uh, invited me to play in. And uh, uh, in the tournament yesterday, it's in, uh, of course, the, uh, Orange County. Uh, Mike Sosha was, uh, you know, former Philly guy who uh, made L.A. his home, a manager and player with the Dodgers for, for a long period of time. And it managed to. California Angels, uh, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, and now the Los Angeles Angels, I guess, for a lot of years. My social was, was in the golf tournament. I was chatting with him a little bit. But I was also saw uh, his teammate with the Dodgers, uh, Mickey Hatcher. Now, I don't know if you know the name Mickey Hatcher, but he was kind of a journeyman player. He was kind of like a goofball type of player. He kept everybody loose. He played tricks on everybody. and He would you know, do the, 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 the fire foot trick, which was the old baseball trick. A yeah, goofy guy, uh, team uh, player, everybody loved him on the team. Not an everyday player. But in the 88 World Series, somehow he uh, had to start a few games and somebody was injured. He had one home run that year. He hit, I think, four in the World Series. And the Dodgers beat the Oakland A's in the World Series. He should have gotten the MVP. He didn't. Oral Harshizer got it. So I see Mickey Hatcher, and <laughs> he still has this like punchy, punchy, swollen face. You know, he was the old baseball character. But the story is not about Mickey Hatcher. It just reminded me because in '88, I was covering. I was working for the Philippine Inquirer. They sent me out to cover that World Series. So I'm at the Oakland Alameda Coliseum. The Dodgers, I believe, are up two games in the series, and they're at the Oakland Coliseum. Jose Canseco hadn't had a hit in like seven weeks. He was like 0 for 22 in the World Series. So I'm on the field. I'm watching the pregame workouts. I see Canseco with the Oakland A's hitting coach with a batting tee, and they're hitting balls into a cage like a field goal kicker practicing his kicks into, into a net. Um, so he takes a couple of swings and the, the hitting coach is trying to, you know, get him on an even plane or whatever. Jose Canseco looks over his shoulder and he sees two hot women in the front row also watching the, the pregame festivities. He stops his workout with the hitting coach, drops his bat, walks over, has a conversation with the two broads. <laughs> The hitting coach is exasperated. He's throwing up his hands like, Jose, we're going to work on some things. At that moment, what was more important to Jose Canseco, when those two girls in that front row, it was the World Series and he was over 23. And that was my Mickey Hatcher story, (laughs) which has nothing to do with Mickey Hatcher, but it was that World Series where he almost won the MVP. And he happened to be at this golf tournament. I saw him at the dinner. And I go, do I go up to Mickey Hatcher? And say hello, and uh, and I, I go, nah. I'll just tell the story. <laughs> so I didn't see any value in me going up to Mickey Hatcher <laughs> to tell that story. But that's that's the second great baseball story we've had today with an old time baseball. Story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going, Look at this dude. He's he's such a player that it doesn't matter if he's zero two and the Oakland A's are going to lose the damn World Series. The two girls are more important. <laughs> So that's Mike Unleashed for today. Let's uh, let's go into three questions for Mike. Uh, the producer Darren always comes up with three questions for Mike here that I had. I don't know about him now. I haven't heard the questions. These are fresh responses to these organic questions that you've come up with. What do you have today? Okay, three questions for Mikey. Miss, first question, you know, you and Johnny Clark uh, were talking earlier 
uh, you, you know, part of that conversation was you, both you have very different journalism styles, but I want to ask you this. What's the worst interview you ever conducted, like where the guy was just either disengaged or just miserable or had nothing to say and you were like trying to pull things out? What was the worst interview you ever, you ever had? Uh, you know, it's, it's really interesting to ask this question because the worst interview I ever had was with Cal Ripken's father. <laughs> senior. Cal, Cal Ripken Sr. was this old, crusty baseball yeah. salt who was a coach for the Orioles for a third base coach for years. His kids on the team ready to break the uh, the, the consecutive games played record. So I was uh, there to do that story because at the time, the issue was that he was really leaking and he needed a day off. And so I had to come up with a story on uh, Frank Robinson was the manager. I go there and I figure, okay, here's the story I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to talk to all the parties and uh, find out, you know, you know, what's going on with Cal, why he won't take a day off, why he, uh, uh, why the manager won't give him a day off. So I, I get to uh, in the clubhouse. I t- talked to Billy Ripken first because he was on the team, and then I talked to Frank Robinson. Frank Robinson telling me I'm not going to be the manager that stops that streak. So it was like. He wasn't going. He knew Cal needed a day off. So then I go, okay, let me talk to his father. Maybe his dad will have some perspective on it. I I, I go up to his dad, and he looks at me with this evil look, and he goes, "Why don't you fucking ask him yourself?" What? What? Well. And he goes, you fucking reporters, you're a bunch of goddamn maggots coming in here talking about this. The kid likes to play baseball, leave him the fuck alone. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, interesting. So, he shunned me. He shooed me completely away. But there's also uh, uh, another story <laughs> that uh, I have, and it was the Baltimore Orioles, because Brady Anderson. If you remember him, uh, Brady Anderson was a center fielder who was fairly a light-hitting center fielder. But in this particular year, he had close to 30 home runs at the All-Star break. And so he became a national story. So I made all these arrangements to go down there, do a feature story in Brady Anderson. And uh, uh, I, so it's all set up. I go down, you go, yeah, you're going to meet Brady uh, like uh, in the clubhouse at 3 o'clock. And, you know, I'll be at his locker, blah, blah, blah. So um, I go down, and uh, uh, now the story comes out after years later is that Brady uh, Anderson was one of those steroid guys, and that's why he was able to hit thirty home runs that year. But at the time, nobody was talking about that. Uh, so, so I go down. Sure enough, there is Brady. He's in the locker room. Only a few other people are in the locker room, and I get him. He's putting his tape on his ankle or whatever, his socks on, and I go, Brady and Mike Pacinelli, Philadelphia Choir. I'm, I'm, I'm down here to do a do a feature on you and um, you know, apparently it was all set up by your PR people. So if you have you know, a few minutes to talk right now, that'd be great. And he goes, uh, nah, I don't want to talk it. Talk about it. I go, what do you mean? He goes, nah, I don't feel like talking about it. I, I don't feel like talking. I got to go into the training room. I got to go over here. I got to go. I go, I go, dude, this was, you know, listen, all due respect. I, I came down. It was clear by your PR people. I said, I'm not just showing up unexpected. Uh, like, yeah, he goes, yeah, I know, but I don't feel like doing it. <laughs> And so, and so I go, oh, well, that's interesting. But I'll tell you what, here's the, here's the, here's the way it's going to go. I'm going to write that. Like, I'm going to write that you, you were an asshole 
and you could spend five, 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 10 minutes. Now I'm going to talk to everybody else about it. I'm going to write the story anyway, but uh, I obviously have to put it in a story that you didn't have time to talk about it because you're, you're being an asshole. <laughs> and he, and he looked, and he looked down and he said, uh, all right, let's talk. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes, sometimes you just got to stand up and go, all right, hey, you don't want to talk, but here's the way I'm going to write it. This is a genuine question. I mean this because we talk, you and I talk a lot about the state, the current state of journalism, and you always bring it up whenever you have another journalist on here on the podcast. Do you think there is any, like how many reporters now would stand up and go, dude, you know, your, your people cleared this. You're being an asshole. Like, how many people now would do that? I think the older, venerable guys would do it because they they have had a lot of experience dealing with players like that. I mean, there's there's so many stories that I can think of where where players would, you know, it, it's funny. Uh, players look down on on reporters, and I, I can see why because they're they're a major league player. They get caught up in the fact that their abilities are so great, and here's some maggot who never played the game is going to ask them about how they feel. I get it. But again, there's the human side of it, where if you're a human being, you go, you know what? Everybody has jobs. My father had a job. I would hate for my father to be disrespected because he wasn't a major league player when somebody looked down at his profession. Right. So that that's the thing I wished all players would take inventory of, that got, people are just trying to do their jobs. And yeah, okay, they're not a major league baseball player. They're not a major league uh, uh, basketball player. But they're, they're, it's, it's what their job is, is to cover the sport. So if you don't want to talk, that's fine. I get it. But look, look within yourself as a human being. I used to have this conversation with Jim Fergosi all the time. Now, I know a lot about baseball. I played baseball for a lot of years. And uh, I played at a decent level. And I still was playing it. And I, so I know the game. And, and Fergosi would always give you that nobody knows more than me thing. And I had an argument with him. And I said, let me ask you a question. Do you think you're the only fucking guy who knows about this game? I go, you know, you're not the only guy who knows something about this game. No, I don't maybe know it as a high level you. You played the game, you managed the game. But I know the game. So what I'm asking you are legitimate questions about baseball. They're not foolish questions. They're legitimate questions. So for you to look down on somebody who's asking you a legitimate question, you have no idea how much baseball they know. And, that you know, he was a miserable guy. So there are guys that tweak it the wrong way, and, and it brings out the belligerence that you, you go, F you, you know, <laughs> like, who are you to treat me like, like, this is why I always blanch when reporters call people coach right. that, uh, because that brings in that whole dynamic. When you call a guy coach, you're like, oh, my God, you're royalty. And I'm so privileged to be in your presence. And then they have control of your interview. Instead of you having control of your own interview, you should have control of your own job. I don't believe you do it by patronizing the guy like he's the Pope by calling him coach. I, I completely agree with you. Unfortunately, I, I don't think there are many of those older, venerable journalists remaining, Mike. And that's kind of my concern. I feel like journalism is getting really soft across the board. Didinger talked about that with us. You've mentioned it. Everybody really has mentioned it. Um, but that's another topic for another day. All right, question number two. You mentioned earlier you're out in California, out in California, a little um, charity golf, some sunshine. Yes, it's the Gary Sinise Foundation, by the way, uh, and and it's Simple Green. The company is Simple Green. I know a lot of people use Simple Green, and they do uh, they do a great job. They've they've paired up with uh, 
Uh, in fact, I played with a, a triple amputee yesterday, a guy named uh, uh, Nick. Uh, and and he just is a great guy. He, he swings one-handed. And he's a competitive golfer swinging one-handed. Uh, and so the guys from the Foundation, uh, when uh, wounded warriors come back, they, they try to, to find uh, – uh, uh, home homes for them, and they build homes for them that are uh, compliant uh, to uh, their particular situation. And, and in this golf tournament, uh, also bonded, and we're going to have him on the podcast. A guy named Russell Holmes, who does a show called uh, uh, Renovation Impossible. I don't know if you've seen this show. My wife. He's a big burly guy with a beard. My wife watches every renovation, every home show. On the yeah, Renovation Impossible is called, and we're going to get him on the show. I get to to talk to him a little bit. And he, he does the same. He, he helps people. The show is where he helps people that can't have, they don't have the money to rebuild their house and their, and their foundations sinking or their roofs falling in or whatever. Uh, so yeah, it was, it's a really good uh, charity event here and all the people that work for simple green are involved in it. Uh, and people from the charity were there. And, uh, so it was a, it was a great event that I'm here. It's, yeah, that's that's all. And by the way, oh, you're out there in that nice sunshine. It's miserable, raining, cold here in the Philadelphia area. We might even get some snow before it's all over. Yeah, uh, well, it's a little chilly here. It's in the uh, city, it's it's, it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So my question is: East Coast or West Coast? No, I'm an, I'm an East Coast guy. I, I've spent a lot of time on the West Coast. My brother lived in San Diego for a little while. Uh, I like Northern California a lot better than Southern California. Southern California just doesn't seem to be any sense of community. And when you've grown up in the East Coast, you, it's all, you're all about a sense of community. And so everything feels detached and odd on, on the West Coast to me. Couldn't possibly agree more. I, I spent a lot of time on the West Coast, too. Uh, I'm totally East Coast guy. People are too slow out there, man. <laughs> too relaxed. Yeah, and it's it's you know the the free everything is a freeway here, freeway there, and, and uh, you know that's just, just there's, there's just no sense of community. Uh, and I you know I get it. People live out here for the weather and 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 they like this lifestyle. Uh, but I've been on the East Coast so much that I, I couldn't possibly fathom being a West Coaster at this point. Yeah, I'm the same way. All right, third question. Do you want morning shows? Like I, I watch Good Morning Football once in a while. I'll have the Fox Twenty Nine um, morning show on. Are you a morning show guy? If you are, what, which ones do you watch? I don't watch any morning shows. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. When, when you get up in the morning, what's your routine then? Uh, my routine is I go right to the computer and read, and and uh, and read the Philadelphia Inquirer and read the websites and go to ESPN and 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 bang around and, and do stuff like that. Uh, to fill my head, uh, 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 New York Times, uh, just to find out what's going on. To fill my head, so I don't, I don't watch morning shows at, at all. Even though my buddy Mike Jarek does a great morning show, and I appear on it a lot, yeah, uh, I just not inclined. I, I don't have the television on in the morning. It's, it's a coffee and a computer reading thing, and I get through. You know, uh, I delete about a uh, hundred advertising emails before I get to the crux of my good emails, which is the. The Inquirer, Digital Inquirer, Digital New York Times. Uh, uh, I'll check in with CNN's website and uh, find out what's going on in the world and uh, just uh, fill my head with the stuff I need to, to have. I think I need to have in my head. Yeah, your routine's a little bit different than mine. My kids are still young. So, like, I have them all, I have something on in the background as I'm like hustling them out the door, all their sports equipment and book bags and get out the door. So, love Mike Jarek. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm usually an eight o'clock get up guy. Spend the next hour and a half to two hours just with the computer and coffee. There you go. All right, three questions from Mikey Miss. All right, sounds good. And that's going to put a cap 
today on the podcast. Again, thanks to John Clark for coming on. I really appreciated his conversation. Uh, and don't forget to get to me. You go to my website, MikeMiss.com, and you can email me. And I love to get emails from people listening to the podcast because uh, we know a lot of people are listening, but I like to hear from people directly because I was so used to having that daily interaction. I love email. So here's the, how you email me, Mike at MikeMiss.com. Very simple email address. You can follow me on Twitter uh, on uh, uh, MikeMiss25. Uh, I've got the winery going, so if you're in the area of Cape May Courthouse, go visit uh, the the winery that I'm a part owner of now. I'm very proud to have done it, Natalie Vineyards. And you can go uh, on my website to order wine for the holidays, MikeMiss.com. You'll uh, you'll be able to do that, or you go right to NatalieVineyards.com. On my website, I have a list of all the great wines that we produced uh, and how uh, you you can get them, and also my book you can get uh, from my website. So, again, go to Natalie Vineyards, N-A-T-A-L-I-V-I-N-E-Y-A-R-D-S.com. Order some wine, have it shipped right to your home. And also my book, uh, and we had a great book signing last week at the Chamonix Mall. It's called The Adventures of Shima the Sheba. It's a children's book for kids just learning to read or kids who, who, who don't yet read but can have their parents read to them. And it's about my dog narrating her adventures through my head. And it provides some lessons for children. So you can imagine you get my dog's head together with my head and the mix you're going to get. I think uh, children will find it very interesting. And and the, the illustrations are beautiful. My friend Alex Lee did the great illustrations, which makes my dog look like a happy cartoon dog. And uh, you'll fall in love with Shima. All right. Uh, anything else we miss? No, just a big thanks to John Clark. You know, he, we're, we're both very good friends with him coming on to tell that story. I really hope if we can have one one person, just one person, go out and get a checkup and catch something to keep them uh, on this planet, keep keep them around, you know, a lot longer. That's a good thing we've done for the holidays. Yes. Make sure your heart is healthy. It's uh, very important. And uh, again, uh, the, if you have to get a stent to get, get rid of a blood clot, that 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 should not you should not look down on that. That is adding years to your life, and it's thanks to the to the miracles of medicine today that we are able to do that. And uh, you know, the, the, keep the pipes clean is what I'm saying. All right, everybody, have a great rest of the, the night, uh, uh, afternoon. Have a have a great weekend. The Eagles. My prediction for the Eagles is a 35 to 13 piece for for that game. And so we'll talk to you next Monday. See ya. It's Mike Miss. I'm out. Thanks for listening to the Mike Missinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.